to you. Uh, remember, uh, 140 of us are at PCC in Ensenada. They're meeting in a dirt bowl, a big amphitheater right now, and getting ready to go into the villages and bless the villages. So keep them in your prayers all week long, please. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn in your Bibles, as we, or as we say today, turn on your Bibles to uh, Galatians chapter 6. Please, everybody there, grab your Bible study message notes, and we're going to jump in. Galatians 6. I want everyone there. If you don't have a Bible, grab a pew Bible in front of you. Uh, that would be great. <clears throat> there are some places you don't want to stop uh, halfway or stall in between. There are some places you don't want to stop halfway or stall in between. My family and I, a couple years ago, were given, my mother-in-law gives gifts of experience for uh, Christmas, and she gave us the experience of Disneyland. We were a newly formed family of seven. Our adopted daughter had come to us, and we wanted to take her to Disneyland. So we were very excited about it, and for after the Christmas, for months, we kept looking on the internet, and we had it planned, and kept telling JoJo, this is what it's going to be like. All the sisters got involved in it. It was really cool, and the day came, and we picked up Elizabeth at Sequoia High School and drove down, and the first time, really, our whole family would experienced Disneyland at seven together. We went and got gas on I-5 about four hours in to the ride, and there was this billboard above us where we got gas, a Disneyland billboard. Now imagine if I said to JoJo, this is it. There's Disneyland. We've been waiting for this. And we pulled out our tents and all that and just stayed there. There's some places you don't want to stop in between. In 1986, I was headed to Yugoslavia. I was a senior in college. It was the summer of my senior year. Yugoslavia was still one country. Communism reigned, and the student group I was involved in, Campus Crusade for Christ, was sending the largest missionary force to that region of the world since the Apostle Paul had touched it. Hundreds of students going into the eastern part of Europe. And I couldn't wait, but it was brutal the whole way. Fundraising was brutal. My parents were against it. Uh, getting there was hard. And, and in New York, we were having our training, and they put up an overhead projector of the city of Zagreb, a map. Now, kids, overhead projector uh, is old PowerPoint, okay? Uh, your parents will explain it. So uh, they said, write this down. You're going to have to go on the street at this time. They gave us each different times as team leaders. And they said, go by yourself. They gave us backpacks. They said, you'll be identified by this backpack. Keep it open. As you walk down the street, don't look. Just keep looking down. Someone will approach you who's printed Bibles in the Yugoslav language that are illegal, and they'll put them in your back. Once you feel a tug, just keep walking and then take the plane down to the Albanian border. So I get out of my hotel. Uh, that morning, the team goes to the airport. I go down to this street, Kralja Tomislava, and I'm walking, and no one's there. And I walk back with my backpack open, nothing. Uh, I actually thought at this point, this has been brutal the whole way. I'm just going to get on a train, abort the mission, and head back to Austria. How in the world am I going to go to the Albanian border with nothing in print, but only the verbal gospel in English in my Bible? See, there's some things you don't want to stop halfway. Uh, just ask the Falcons in the Super Bowl, <laughs> who at halftime were leading 21 to 3, but lost the game 34 to 28. Halfway is where you come so far, but you're not fully experiencing what you entered for. 
halfway in between. So Galatians is a book written to followers of Jesus who started great, but along the way they got burdened down in between. They were burdened down halfway, burdened down with legalism, and they were stalled, and they were okay with it. They prayed a prayer. They wanted Christ to save them, but they stopped short of the adventure and the freedom that comes in living in the lordship of Jesus Christ and the grace he provides. You have your Bibles open? Uh, Open to Galatians 6, and look in your Bibles, uh, Galatians 6, see 11 to 13, See that? Uh, We're in verse 11 to 18, but see 11 to 13. Now, I want you to do something if you have written Bibles. Even if you have a pew Bible, uh, you can do this. I want you to grab a pen and circle the space in between verse 13 and 14. There's a margin there in your Bible. It's white space. Go ahead. You can write in your Bibles. If your Bible's too good to write in, get a different Bible, okay? Uh, It's important, okay? So, So circle that, okay? Circle that, between 13 and 14. Everybody? That's in between. Uh, everything before that is Jesus plus. It's pray the prayer, receive Christ, and add this to your faith. In the case for the Galatians, it was circumcision. But in our case, it's a bunch of different stuff. We talked about it for 10 weeks. Everything after that is Jesus plus nothing. It's grace. Everyone, track with me. Are you with me? Okay, that white space in between 13 and 14, that's the billboard on Highway 5 for Disneyland. Uh, That's the street, uh, Kralja Tomislava in Yugoslavia in 1986. That's the Falcon's locker room at halftime. That space in between. In between space. It's not just unfulfilling, and here's why I'm a little bit um, excited about this. It's not just that it's unfulfilling in between. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. As your pastor, you need to know that uh, my heart, I love you, and I'm bringing a heart to this, and I don't say it to manipulate you, but if you know, if you're a part of PCC, you've got to know I lead with my heart in the Word, There's too many people that call PCC home that live in between. You prayed a prayer and you know Jesus saves you and you've left the legalism but you haven't pushed through to the adventure God has for you from verse 14 on. And in between, it's not just that you're unfulfilled. I I care that you have fulfillment. This is my pastor's heart. In between is dangerous. Because you know you're not bound by legalism and the rules, and you're not yet living the spirit-filled, driven, grace-filled life, so you just do nothing. You want to see what Jesus thinks of in between? If you're taking notes, he actually wrote a letter to a church, a whole church that was living in between. It was uh, one of the seven letters he wrote in the book of Revelation. It's a church called Laodicea. You can look it up later, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 14 to 21 of the book of Revelation. I don't want you in between. I don't want to be in between. I want us to push through for what God's called us to be. So let's jump in. Let's look at before in between and getting past, okay? Let's let's pick up in verse 11. Are we all there? Okay. Paul says, see what large letters I write. Uh, I use as I write to you with my own hand. Uh, Paul uh, used uh, an ancient, uh, well, it was actually the, the first evidence of Siri in the Bible, 
uh, Paul would dictate this letter to a live person. They're called an amanuensis. It was a, it was a profession in Paul's day. Not just for Bible writers, but for anyone. They would dictate the letter. The amanuensis was, was skilled in the art of really small writing. It would save money on the papyrus, and it would make the letter compact. And as if Paul, at this point, and you know, if you've been in the series, he's passionate throughout the whole series. He says to his amanuensis, give me that papyrus. And he starts writing with his own hands. This is what it would look like to the people reading that. Like, whoa, Paul, what are you doing? And Paul's saying, I don't care how much this costs. I don't care uh, about the amanuensis. I've got to have you understand this. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised as Jesus and. We talked about that, right? The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Here's the danger. We think our and, whatever Jesus plus is, like, Jesus, I know you love me, and I'll go to church just so you love me more. Jesus, I know you love me, and I'll read my Bible so you'll love me more. We think, it, it, I know it's good-natured. It actually erodes what Jesus did on the cross. It's actually saying what you did on the cross is not enough. So I got to add to that. It actually is a depiction of, of God the Father and saying, Jesus, his wrath wasn't satisfied on the cross. And so I'm going to punish myself through doing inconvenient things so that I can add a little wrath to myself and get you to accept me. That's what it's saying. We don't mean that, but legalism minimizes the cross. That's why Paul's so passionate. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law. They're hypocrites. They want you to be circumcised so they can boast about your circumcision in the flesh. Legalism is puffed up and takes pride in human achievement. The cross takes, uh, takes pride in what Jesus did. Legalism is all about, look what I did. Grace is, look what he did. Very different. Very different. Now, most of us have left 11 to 13 living. I mean, it's a great start, and we've, we've gone beyond that. And you're saying, okay, I get it. I, I, I know Jesus loves me. I don't have to add to that. But we're in the in-between, and we're not finished yet. There's too many of us who say, okay, I understand God loves me. I get it. I don't have to do blank anymore to earn God's love. But you're stalled in between, between the I don't have to and I get to. You're stalled there in many ways, and we'll build this out for the whole morning. You've yet to experience everything God has for you. As much as I don't want you living in legalism, I really don't want you living in between. I don't, because it's dangerous defeating. So how do we get past in between? Great question. Open to page two. That's where verse 14 on comes in. How do we get past? Nothing you can do it's about what Jesus did, but understanding that. Here's the first thing. Getting past in between means finding our identity, our security, our whole purpose in the cross. In the cross. Now, when I say that, we live in a church, we have a cross pretty central in our sanctuary. Um, you need to understand, back in Paul's day when he wrote what I'm about to read, the cross to a Roman was a horrific, despicable thing. It was avoided at all costs. They would take a man, and there's evidence that a few women were crucified, but overwhelmingly it was men, a capital crime uh, committing person. 
And they would they use this as a deterrent, the Romans, and they would keep them as close to death as possible for as long as possible. And they'd heap shame on that by stripping him naked, beating him to a pulp, and then leaving him lingering in front of everybody, just, just sitting there lingering, writhing in pain on the cross. It was, it was, it was uh, despicable, horrible, horrible. Just watch the passion of the Christ. You get just a glimpse. It was so bad. Isaiah, this Old Testament writer, prophesied about Jesus in the future. And he said, he was so beaten, he didn't even look human. We had to turn our face away from it. It just, it made me want to vomit. And Paul says, who, who, by the way, was very learned, very accomplished in his profession before he became a Christian. He said, not only is that shameful to me, it's not that it's the only thing I take pride in. That's my identity. Here's, let's read it in verse 14. Look what he says. May I never, I would circle that, I never. Um, it's the most emphatic negative in the original Greek language. Uh, original language, may I never, ever, 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 no way, never. That's what Paul meant by that. Uh, The King James, that old King James version, says, God forbid. May I never boast except in the Sermon on the Mount. Is that what it says? No. Listen, the world didn't need more teaching. As good as the teaching of Jesus is, he didn't come to be a teacher. May I never boast except in the Ten Commandments. Is, is Is that what it says? No. They had the Ten Commandments. That didn't change the world. Ten Commandments didn't change the world. Ten Commandments pointed to the need for a Savior. May I never boast except in the miracles of Jesus. No, Paul points to one thing about the life of Christ, and it's what we're going to celebrate all week long. May I never boast except in the cross of Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul says, I find my whole identity in the cross. I'm a new man because of the cross. And every day I renew my mind. My only thing to brag in is the cross. This just blows the myth of the biggest lie that's told in church. It's been told to me 10 times already today. Here it is. You want to hear it? I'm fine. Not if you boast in the cross, because the cross says it's okay not to be fine. The cross says, and I get people, how you doing? It's a social thing. I get that. People usually don't care when they ask, and we should change that too. But uh, what we say, the cross says, how you doing? I blew it last night, and I'm filled with shame today. Is there a place for me because of the cross? The cross says, I'm a hypocrite, and I fall short. How you doing? I'm at it. I'm addicted. That's how I'm doing. But the cross, oh my gosh, Jesus is a way better savior than I am an addict. And here I am. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> the cross says I'm a hypocrite. The cross says I have issues. The cross is bigger, bigger, bigger. The cross says Jesus is a way better savior than I am a sinner. But we boast in how we're doing. Instead, you ready? How God's doing. That's what Paul's saying. The cross is better. Uh, I read, uh, by the way, just everyone's going to be offended today at some point, so just get ready. Uh, uh, I read this great blog this week uh, written by a woman who, uh, it's titled, In Which There Is No, and then in parentheses or um, quotations, it says, and. 
It says this, you need Jesus and circumcision. That's what the Galatians were saying. You need Jesus and baptism. We'll explain that in a minute for our baptizes. You need Jesus and the right voting record. You need Jesus and an accountability partner and a social justice cause and a tithe check receipt. You need Jesus and a purity ring. You need Jesus and feminism. You need Jesus and recycling. You need Jesus and a proper education. You need Jesus and a podcast preacher. You need Jesus and a spouse. You need Jesus and a baby. You need Jesus in a worship experience. You need Jesus in an hour of daily quiet time. You need Jesus in a certain size on your clothing. You need Jesus in the Pledge of Allegiance. You need Jesus in a political party. You need Jesus in prosperity and poverty. You need Jesus and, 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 and. Whatever comes after and is what you build your identity on. That's what the blog is getting at. And then she says wisely, let go of all your should, your ought to, your need to, your implied and overt and attachments to Jesus. Live like Jesus is enough. Remember, you don't earn any part of your salvation. You're accepted simply because Jesus is enough. Relax. You're loved. You're free. You don't need any more ands. Jesus loves you just the way you are. It's a good word, isn't it? That's when you build your identity in the cross. That goes a long way beyond praying a prayer to receive Christ and then living any way you want. It's a daily Hosanna. Save me today. I need your rescuing grace today. So that's the first point. Getting past in between second means dying to the world. This really convicted me this week. May I never boast except in the cross of Jesus Christ. Here it comes. Through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Simply put, it looks you don't look to the culture, religious or otherwise, as your validation. You don't look to what you drive or where you live or the success or the size of your bank account or what you wear as validation that you've arrived. You don't consume from the world. You don't consume their validation. You give to the world instead of consuming from the world. Because your validation comes from Christ and Christ alone. This is so important. And I'll tell you where this will meet the road. I'll have application right now for all of us. Those Easter invites. What keeps us from being Um, fanatical in the best way possible in blanketing our city with Easter invites because we are concerned about our reputation in the world or our reputation with our neighbors. I am. And I'm going to have to put my reputation on the line and hold out an Easter invite and invite people to join us for the greatest celebration ever to hit humanity, the empty tomb, Resurrection Sunday. Why aren't you more bold? Why aren't I more bold? Because I haven't fully died to the world. Come on, just think. That's not emotion. Just use your logic. Is it not the best ever experience ever to come on human being and human beings, humanity? The gospel of Jesus Christ, the empty tomb. The tomb's not empty. This is stupid what we're doing. But it's empty. There's new life in Christ. There's a forever that can be changed. These people testify to that. Why aren't we blanketing the world? It's the number one need for everyone on Grand Street where I live. And I've got the answer. I've got the hope to introduce them to you, to join with you in a worship experience. Why am I not more bold? I haven't died fully to the world. 
I was uh, at a movie premiere last night. Tony Gapistone, our, uh, our head worship pastor here, was putting a premiere. I was so proud, so proud of my brother. Uh, it was a premiere film, a short film called Neighbor, and it's about tra uh, human trafficking. There were human trafficking victims from our own Bay Area who'd been trafficked. It was, a, it was an incredibly moving experience. But before the film started, I was sitting with some PCCers. I'm going to keep you anonymous because I didn't get your permission. So I'm going to keep you anonymous. I'm not even looking where you are. They're in the room. <laughs> but they, they live this out. These people are so intelligent. The degrees they have are amazing. These people are so successful. And I sat behind them, and, and they turned to me like, oh, my gosh, you're here. Hey, we got to tell you something. And, and instead of boasting in their business success or their career success, you know what they were boasting in? What God was doing in them and how that business success, how they'd come to a place where they'd see generosity in their stuff in a whole new way. And they boasted about how they're going to be giving a pretty large um, financial investment to our multi-site mission. And it was as if God just put it in their lap. And like, they were taking no credit from this. They're like, do you believe it? We would never think we could give this much away. Isn't this amazing? And that's boasting in the cross. And that's not taking validation. They could have told me, hey, by the way, I want to remind you, I have a postdoc from blah, blah, blah. They didn't say that. Hey, I want to remind you how much success I've had in businesses. They didn't say that. Their excitement was was from being a consumer of the world to being a contributor. Okay, lastly, getting past in between means embracing our new creation. Verse 15 is a one-line summary of Galatians. You want to know Galatians in one verse? Here it is, Galatians 6, verse 15. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. Let's just go in the original. When you study the Bible, what did it mean originally? You start there. What does it mean for us today? Originally, circumcision, Paul's talking to the Judaizers who came to the church as Jewish religion. Key word being religion. Uncircumcision, pagan religion. There was in a pluralistic Galatia, tons of different religious uh, myths and what have you floating around. So you don't need to circumcise. Paul's saying this. Religion means nothing. Anything you think you have to do to earn God's favor means nothing. That's what, that's what Paul's saying. What counts is, how would you complete that sentence for you? You die and you get to heaven and God says, not because he wants to keep you out, but just dialoguing with you and says, why should I let you into heaven? You say, well, what counts is what? That's how you'd answer that. Whatever you point to. You shouldn't is what Paul wants to get at. But Jesus died for me. What counts is what he says, that I'm a new creation in Christ. It's like I've been born again. Prior to knowing Christ, I didn't even live, Paul says. Now I'm alive in Jesus. That's what counts. It's the whole book of Galatians in one line. It doesn't count what I do. It counts what he did. So how do we make this practical? This is a real practical sermon. If you haven't been offended yet, get ready. Here it comes, okay? Page three, page three. We talked about this. So we have 11 to 13. That's the law that says you have to, okay? We have in between. That's the, the white space in between 13 and 14. And basically, you live by, I just don't do. I don't have to anymore, so I don't. And then freedom, 14 on, is I get to. I get to. So let's just go through a few things, okay? 
church attendance. And you can fill these out any way you want, but I went through this. Here's, here's how I wrote things in. Church attendance. The law says obligation. It, it's guilt. It's guilt. You, you hear about like, oh, I should be there on Sunday. And, and, and so I'm here. And meanwhile, you're here, but you're not here. My wife, about a month ago, I'd, I'd been home like one night for like two hours. And she said, hey, I got a question. I'm like, what? She's like, when are you going to come home? I'm like, I've been home for two hours. She's like, you're not here. You're here, but you're not here. That's what the have to is with the law. So many of us think, I got to get to church. I got to be there. I got to be there. But you're not here. Isaiah had a line in there. You honor me with your lips, Isaiah, Old Testament author, but your hearts are far from me. In between, okay, I don't have to go to church, so I won't. Because it's not convenient. I'll go once a month. I'll go twice a month. But since I don't have to, (laughs) my church is Hutterd Park. My church is the giant game. My church is the Niner game. I'm just going to do what I want to do because God loves me regardless. I prayed a prayer. I'm good. Freedom says, oh, my goodness, I get to? Freedom says, man, I get to join the body of Christ? I get to have a hand in sharpening and being sharpened and encouraging and being encouraged? I'm going to pray, God, create divine appointments today. I can't wait to see what happens because when the body of Christ comes together, something explosive always happened in the book of Acts. Oh, my gosh. And you're freeing Christ to get to. Let's go to serving. Announcements made. We need kids in the nursery department. The law says, well, I guess it's my time. Okay, I guess I'll do it. You're guilted into it. And then the minute your term of service is off, boom, you're out of there. Did my time. I'm good. In between, don't do. Says, I'm free from that. I don't have to serve. So you don't. You consume. And you come and you, you gather and you, you watch the show. But you never invest your life. So you don't. The freedom to get to says, oh my gosh. God and I are partnering on Sundays. For something eternal. I'm not just changing diapers. I'm changing destinies by praying over these little kids. I can't wait to get to heaven and find out how these prayers are answered. Or you come home after a long day of work and and you jump into the kitchen to join your husband. You go, man, I get to serve. Yeah, I know I've been working hard, but but I get to serve right now because I'm never more like Christ than when I serve. You get to. Giving. The legalist, the law says 10%, no matter what, 10%. I've been having discussions all day today. Whether you make six figures, seven figures, eight figures a year, or whether you make or you're in bankruptcy, you better give 10% if you want God to love you. In between says, I don't have to give to earn God's favor. God doesn't need my money. We're good. So you tip God. Or even worse, you give them leftovers. And you say at the end of the month, gosh, God, I wish this check was bigger, but I kind of spent all my money on me. (laughs) And it's not left over for you, but here you go, God. I'm free in Christ. Bam. And your whole life is tipping God with your giving. And you're missing out. Freedom? (gasps) Wow, God, look at what you've given me. I can't believe, I never dreamed that would be in my bank account. It's what I heard last night. 
and I get to participate with you. Yeah, you don't need my money, but you're allowing me to join you. So you become what we call around here a planned, percentage, prioritized giver. You plan it out ahead of time. You come to a percentage number, whether that for some of you, the biggest step of faith you can take is 2%. Some of you, we have people in this church that are giving 51% of their income and increasing it over the years. It's been on this journey. Percentage, prioritize the first of the month. This is a faith thing. And God, I can't wait to see how you provide. Here you go. I can go on and on and on. Let's talk about substance, okay? Consuming alcohol. Let's talk about that. Or any substance, food, whatever. But let's talk about alcohol. The law have to, it's never an option. You better not touch alcohol. Yeah, you can't build that out biblically. You can't even build a case on that biblically. You can't. Jesus drank wine, but the, the, the legalists say, oh, but it literally wasn't wine, it was grape juice. That's why the Baptists use grape juice. That's why we use grape juice in our church, because it wasn't really wine. It was really wine, folks. There was alcohol in Jesus' cup. <laughs> It might lead to PG-13 movies. In between, don't do. <laughs> Gary talked about enjoying a glass of wine, being Italian, and, and growing up in vineyards and what have you. So I'm not bound by the law. I'm going to drink whenever I want, however I want. I know I can't get drunk. I could see that in Ephesians 5. But I'm buzzed. I mean, this is not drunk, buzz. You know what that will breed? An unhealthy relationship with alcohol. What does it get to? Get to says, oh my gosh, biblically I'm free. I don't have to though. So I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit. When? How much? Holy Spirit, you guide me. Do you not want me to drink? Do you want me to drink? How much? I came to Christ out of an alcoholic family. Not my parents, but grandparents. Both my grandfathers died of alcohol-related diseases. But that was a secret kept from me. That would have been a good thing to know in a fraternity where alcohol was all over the place, where my consumption level was growing in frequency. And when I came to Christ, he broke me of that. And then in that New York meeting where the overhead projector went on, we were going to Yugoslavia, they said, if you don't drink, that was me, they said, don't say it's because of Christ, because in, in communism, they view that as legalism. So you're free not to drink if you're in, in Christ, but don't tell them it's because of Christ. So my first drink as a follower of Christ, I stopped for four years was in Yugoslavia with a guy named Chato. We were having, we were having uh, a conversation. It was leading to a spiritual conversation. He was going into a bar, and, and he said, where are you going? I said, I, I don't want to finish this conversation. He said, what do you have? I'm like, well, whatever you're having. I still don't know what it was. I still feel it in the back of my throat. <laughs> it's crazy. Look, i got to wrap this up. You can go on and on and on. Do you hear my heart? I want this for us all so badly. I want this for me. I want this for my wife. I want this for my daughters. I want this for you. It's my dream for us all. Reject legalism, 11 to 13. Move beyond the in-between and move into the Spirit-filled life following the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm so glad I didn't stop at the billboard on Highway 5. That day in Disneyland to this day is one of the best memories our family has had as a family of seven in the last four years. We've only been a family of seven for four years. I'm so glad we didn't stop. And I'm so glad I didn't stop at the street Kralja Tomislava in 1986. As no one was there, I prayed and I said, you know, I've come too far. 
God, I'm going for it. And it's not about me, but I hopped on the plane, went to the Albanian border. And what took place in the next four weeks marked me as a follower of Christ. I wouldn't be in ministry today if it wasn't for those next four weeks. And the day, I'm in this, in this town called Hersignovi, and, and I'm sharing Christ with a guy, Chato was his name, 21 years old. He prays to receive Christ. We're talking, it's just a verbal witness, but the gospel has power. And we're walking back from the water, and I'm thinking, how do I follow him up? And I look at my backpack, which was on the beach, and it's full. And I look in there. Someone had come that day and put the Bibles. They found me and put the Bibles in my backpack while I was sharing Christ. And I reached in and I found when I turned to Chato and I said, I, I guess this is for you. <laughs> and got to follow up with him for two weeks. I wouldn't be who I was and who I am today if it wasn't for those four weeks. If I stopped in, in between. And personally, I'm grateful the Patriots didn't stop in between either in the locker room. Friends, let's cry Hosanna. Let's ask God for great things. To move beyond our legalism and beyond our in-between into the adventure God has for us. Father, we pray for this. I picture um, idols dropping. By idols, I just mean what we're putting our, sec our security in. All over the sanctuary. All the things we think makes you love us more. And we come to the cross today, and we cry out, Hosanna, rescue us. We pray to that end. Convict us where you will. We need you and we love you. And we thank you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Everyone said? to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We're located at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard in Redwood City, California. You can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com.